Welcome back to another Shifting Schools Off the Cuff. I'm here with my colleague and good friend, Trisha Friedman. Trisha, how are you today? Jeff, I am super excited for this week's Off the Cuff because you and I are basing it off of what our newsletter subscribers told us they most wanted to hear about. So that was really exciting to use the free newsletter to find out what do folks want to hear more about? Do you want to reveal what uh, this week's big topic or big umbrella question is? Well, I think it's really cool because first of all, people responded, which was great. We love getting email. I mean, we can't say that enough. Most people hate getting email. Trisha and I love it. <laughs> and it was very close, right? We gave people three choices. If you're part of the newsletter subscriber, you had three choices. And the winner by one vote, the winner was, how can we re-engage students with note-taking skills? That's what we're going to be covering in today's episode is be talking about how do we re-engage students with note-taking skills in different ways that we can set up note, uh, note-taking structure. And that's really what we're talking about here is like, how do we create structures that are fun, that are relevant, and that allow students to re-engage with this idea of note-taking. So that's what our focus is going to be on today. Also be looking forward to other newsletters. Trisha, this is something we, we, a, we were excited that we actually had people respond. So this is something we're looking at doing probably once a month. I think so. And, you know, the newsletter's free. We're always trying to provide free resources in that space. The newsletters are short and sweet. Um, and again, folks, if you aren't subscribed, when you head over to shiftingschools.com, right there on the homepage, you can sign up. You can try it out. You can always unsubscribe. You can always let us know if you don't like the newsletter or if there's something else you would like from it. But yeah, we, we really do hope to use these episodes as a way to make sure that we're supporting you in answering the questions that are pertinent and are really, really relevant in the moment. Yeah. And you can always come back. I mean, you can always email us and say, hey, I'd love to do an episode or I'd love to hear a mini series on, on something. We always try to respond to our listeners. But this was great that you got to vote on this from the newsletter and you get to hear it over on the podcast. So here we go. How can we re-engage students with note-taking skills? Let's first talk about demystifying the process. Trisha, do you want to take this one? Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, and, and I find especially maybe with older middle middle or high school students, if you ask them, like, what are good note-taking skills, do they have any idea how their peers are approaching this? You know, mm. I, I sort of think that if we want students to understand what works, often the best source is going to be other students. So how are we making opportunities for learners to actually share this is how I've gone about taking notes, or this is a change that I made in my note-taking process that's made all the difference. Even having that conversation around analog versus digital note-taking, how do you approach those things differently? How do you merge them? Do you find actually it's really useful to start analog in a journal and then refine and document digitally because it's much harder to you know, spill water on a Google Doc than it is yeah. your journal. Um, and and again, just engage them in that conversation. And I'm not saying this has to be like an hour-long dialogue, but what would it mean if like once a week you're taking five minutes, ask a different student to share something that they have done as a note taker that works for them? Almost like a little mini, you know, spotlight talk from a student. I love that. And I think that's so powerful. Like I even think for myself, like if I wouldn't go back into my high school days, I took note taking one way, the way that I took notes. I never got to see how the A students, I was not an A student, full disclosure. Everybody probably knows that by now. 
I, I never got to see how A students took notes. And the cool thing is, is I think, you know, one of the things I talk a lot about my goddaughters uh, on this podcast with one now being at Tulane University and the other one still being a, being a senior, they take notes in completely different ways. And it's ways that work for them. But at times I've sat down with them both and said, why does this work for you? And why does that work for you? One of them uses highlighters, like has four different colors of highlighters. The other one is going to be a doctor and is already working on the penmanship of a doctor. Like you cannot read that chicken scratch, right? But they have their note-taking system that works for them. But they also have had the ability to look at each other's notes and be able to figure out like, oh, I can try and apply that. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. But just know that there are ways that if you are struggling taking notes, like I did in high school, maybe there are other ways that I can I can look at, at taking those notes. And I think that brings us to one of our first kind of tips is this idea of collaborative note taking. One of the things I love to do, I do this with my uh, master's degree students at Whitworth every year, and it blows their minds. We're talking people who are in their mid-20s who have never done collaborative note-taking. This is such an essential skill, I think, today. Collaborative note-taking is where you pair up students, or you can do it as a whole class. But I like to pair students into groups of three. You put a, you can go on Word Online or a Google Doc. They both work. You create a table because things just work better in a table. Each student gets one cell of that table, and the table just keeps expanding or you can break it up in different topics that you're going through. And each student is taking notes on the same document. So now you pair up Jeff, who's a, you know, pretty average C student with Trisha, who's my A student, and maybe another student who is a B student or somebody who is struggling even that maybe is a D student. You put the three of them on the same document and together we get to see in real time how other people take notes. What do I pick up in as an auditory learner, somebody with dyslexia, really leaning on auditory, which taking notes for me was the worst thing I could do. Looking at somebody who's an A student like Trisha and being able to like, oh, I didn't pick up on that piece or I didn't think that piece was important. And all of a sudden I get to see in real time how other people take notes. It's so critical. Or the other way that I've used this is you don't need 30 kids taking notes all the time in your class. If you're trying to have a conversation with kids, the last thing you want to do, I want my class to be discussion-based. If I want my classroom to be discussion-based, I don't need 30 kids taking notes. I need like two or three kids taking notes. So now I have a Google Doc with three kids taking notes and the rest of the kids don't have to worry about it because these three kids are taking the notes. And here's the best part, educators, you get to go back and fix any misconception in those notes before kids go home and study because they're gonna be shared with you too. We have a shared set of class notes. Folks, this is how work gets done in a collaborative environment. We don't need 30 cents of individual notes that I don't get to see and review of any misconceptions before kids study them. We have one set of class notes created by two or three kids or three, three kids on a, on a doc. I only have to review a third <laughs> of the documents for any misconception misconceptions before kids go home. Unbelievable. And we have the technology. It's simple. It's easy. You share it. You don't even have to own it. Trisha, set up a document for you and your two partners. Jeff, set up a document for you and your two partners. I don't even have to own it. I don't want to own it as the teacher. This is their document, not mine. I'm just shared on it as another set of eyeballs. Oh, I love collaborative note-taking. I could go on and on and on. And if you've never done it, give it a go. Give it a try and then reflect with the kids. The problem I've always found with collaborative note-taking is once you introduce it with kids, you can't shut it off. Because then all of a sudden kids are being class and they'll be like, Trisha, you and me, let's share a document. Boom. Like why? I only have to do a third of the work. 
and still get the entire, and I get to listen and I get to be part of the conversation. Oh, killer. Anyway, collaborative note-taking, give it a go. Re-engaging um, students with note-taking skills. Huge fan as well. And I actually think when you set that up, also build in some time for debrief and debate, right? So oh, have that, if yeah. you've got different small groups, have them compare. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll say, all right, how can we, it's like pruning. How can we prune our notes back? Invites mm. that question of what is the most essential stuff that needs to be here? Because sometimes what I find is students are taking note of every single thing, which that's not useful. How are you giving yourself like the headlines, the most important bits of information? And when you engage students in that conversation about what really needs to be archived, that's when you're also asking them to really review what they've learned. Um, Your piece though about being, you know, really not necessarily loving doing, you know, notes that are just text on paper, text on a doc, when we're talking about collaborative note-taking, I also think about it from a discussion strategy approach. So one of my favorite protocols, and I'll make sure to link to this in the show notes, this comes from Facing History, Facing Ourselves. I'm actually using this in a workshop today. So I've kind of adjusted this protocol a little bit, but it's called Save the Last Word. And essentially, students would have a text, and it could be, again, a passage from a book, a poem, an article. It also might be a math quiz. And you ask each student in a small group, I want you to write down one or two passages from this. Then, Jeff, you and I are going to sit down. I'm going to just read the passage. I do this under time conditions. So I would say you've got two minutes. I'm going to tell you the passage that I highlighted. I'm not going to explain to you, Jeff, like why I highlighted it. Mm. Two minutes done. 90 seconds goes to my partner who's going to say why they think I highlighted this. And then again, you know, the name of the protocol being save the last word. I get the last word then to add on to what you said in terms of why I thought this was important. Mm. So uh, again, then you would tell me what you highlighted. That's why I ask students take two things. Cause if I took your thing or you took mine, then I've got, you Great know, idea. a backup, but it's really interesting to have students hear other students talk about what was highlighted and why they see it as important. Because often what will happen is maybe I highlighted it because I thought this part of it was important. But when you speak to it, you're going to bring perhaps a whole different perspective. And again, it's timed. It's really powerful, discussion-based. It's been one of those protocols that students without fail have always enjoyed. And here's the other part of it that I love, Jeff. It focuses on listening. So it's one of those protocols that also helps students understand how to be a better listener. Yeah, I it's so good. And I love that protocol. I've used the last word protocol with students of all ages, including administrators like like you, you know, later today are using it with teachers. Such a great protocol to go in and, and look at note taking a little bit differently. And again, it's collaborative. It's this idea of what really stuck out to me. I love the idea. And I never thought about that until you mentioned it to have kids highlight two things. That way we're not, that way a student can say, well, I highlighted the same thing, right? I love that. I never thought about that. That is a great little tweak that I'll have to make the next time I use uh, the last word. Because a lot of times, especially when I'm working with administrators, they'll say almost, I would say a lot of times they've all highlighted the same thing. And (laughs) and then, and then it breaks down, right? It's like, well, I did the same thing. Um, I like that idea of doing two. 
So, yeah, the other trick with that is sometimes instead of it just being one resource, I'll have a menu. So it's like a choice board. Mm. And then that way also unlikely to have the same passage, but somebody might highlight something from a different text and then, ooh, that sounds interesting. I want to go look at that later on. It's fun too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, learning also needs to you know, balance, I think, that talk time, but also that time to just quiet focus. I'm really introverted. So I actually, silence is important to me in learning. I know, Jeff, you are a huge fan of social silent reading. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you set that up? Yeah. Another big, uh, another one that I love to use uh, is called social silent reading or the acronym SSR. Uh, being a fourth grade teacher, when I was back in the classroom, it was called uh, SSR with silent sustained reading. We've updated that to be social silent reading. This is where you might have students, again, read a passage, read an article. They might be reading a passage out of a book. I love to take articles off the internet, copy and paste them into Word because you can do so, or you can do so much more or copy and paste it into a Google Doc. Um, and so what you do in social silent reading is, again, you take advantage of the technology that we have and the ability for kids to share and have a dialogue. Where I actually got this from is I have some friends living here in Seattle, as pretty much everybody does here in Seattle, who work at Amazon. And Amazon does document reviews. And when Amazon does document reviews, everybody gets together. Let's say a team of five or a team of seven get together. The first 45 minutes of the meeting is silently reading the document. Now think about this. This is way different than the way that we usually do things where a, a school administrator or a team leader sends out a document and says, hey, when you have time, you should read this. Well, nobody has time. When we ask kids, hey, tonight for homework, well, kids have baseball practice and volleyball practice and cheerleading practice and gymnastics. And after that, they've got to go play violin and do, I mean, we've got a whole episode on the overscheduling of kids today. You can go back and listen to that ep episode. So we don't have time. So what Amazon realized was this exact same thing is Amazon realized when they were sending out documents for review over email, that they found that less than 13% of people we're reading the document before they came to the meeting. So what they did is they brought that document, they brought the reading as part of the meeting, right? You make space. If it's important, you make space for it as the leader. Once they're in the room, then it is silent. You are silently reading this to yourself. Now, the part that we've added is the social part, which is where once it's inside of a Google Doc, you can leave comments out to the side. And the cool thing about both Google Docs and Word, now I, I, am a, I live in the Google Googleverse, so I'll be talking about Google, is I can actually shut it off. I can go up in the top right-hand corner and I can actually just make it a view only. So I don't see Trisha leaving her comments if that bothers me. I find about a third of the kids it bothers and a third of the kids it doesn't, a third of the kids don't care. It's kind of no matter what age group, that's kind of the way it works. But kids can turn it off so they can't see anybody else making comments and they can just read the article silently to themselves. They didn't click a button and instantly everybody's comments come back. It's the same document. You can just remove collaborators or actually hide collaborators. But the idea here is we're going to all read this document together, an article, a chapter out of a book, a passage. It doesn't matter what it is. And then you're going to highlight and you're going to leave comments. You then as a teacher can set up the structure for how do you want those comments? You can say, we're going to read this. We're going to read this, this portion of this chapter, but we're going to be looking at this through character traits. So all of our comments are going to focus on where do we see the author really highlighting the character traits in this passage? 
or maybe it's a scientific journal. Where do you see fact versus opinion inside of this scientific journal entry? And so you can set up what you want those comments to focus on, or you can leave it freeform, but you could also add a lot of structure around that. And then once you have all the comments off to the side of the document, then you go into your dialogue. What did you see? What did you notice? The other thing that we find that happens is all of a sudden you could have a running dialogue on a question or a comment. Because if you're in Google Docs, and I'll use Google Docs as an example, but it works in Word as well, you can reply to a comment. So I leave a comment, Trisha sees that comment, and she can add to that comment, right? And somebody else sees that comment and drops a link to another article. And next thing you know, we have a running conversation, maybe based off of one sentence inside the article we're reading. We've now got a whole dialogue about that. And again, I can go back and look at that. I can study that over time. I've used this as part of, if you do still give homework, It's a great way to do homework that every kid goes home and reads it and they're leaving comments. I can quickly assess who read the article and who didn't because their name is attached to their comment. I think there's just a lot of ways to re-engage students in note-taking skills when we do social silent reading, right? We're reading it together, but we're reading it socially in this idea that we're leaving comments off to the side and pushing each other's thinking and understanding at a different at a different level. And here's the way that I like setting that up that again goes back to what we were saying at the beginning, this whole like demystify the process. I love setting that up in small pods. So it's a group of 3 or 4, they each have their running document and love then it. compare and see yeah. your running comments, that running sidebar conversation. What did other teams pull out that you weren't noticing, right? Because I, I really think students need so many different opportunities to see that metacognition in motion almost. Um, and I again, I think it's another really great way and equally powerful for adult learners. Like I've yeah. done this with teams of teachers too. So insightful for them to see. And you know, again, you might you might uh, organize those teams by department. Yeah. You might organize those teams, you know, in a variety of ways and see what's this department or what's this team noticing about it that this other team didn't and why might they have wanted to focus on that. Well, and I love that because you can very easily jigsaw that. So let's just use this a department thing. Let's pretend we're in a high school for a second. Uh, I'm a school leader and I want everybody to read this article on how AI is going to be changing education. So, the science department does social silent reading, the history department, ELA, CTE, right? Everybody does it and leaves their comments. Then I jigsaw it and I say, okay, one person from each department, make a new team. And now we're getting this cross, like, what does this mean for you in the CTE program versus what this means for you in math? What did you pick up on? What was your running conversation? Oh, what a great way. And you could do that in the structure of a staff meeting, right? So very easy to jigsaw it if you do it in that kind of small pod and then jigsaw it out to get, to get ideas. Great. Uh, just, there's so many great ways you can do it. And again, it's, it's, we're taking note-taking, but in a new and different way. And in a way that literally applies to the way businesses run today. When you do a document review, I just had one done from a, a good friend of mine who works in the corporate world and exactly what happened, right? I've got all these comments, running commentary that we're having off to the side of the document that I sent her. And it's just like blowing my mind on the insightfulness that I'm getting out of this and the conversation we're having around different points and pushing each other, you know, uh, it's just so, so powerful. 
But. Jeff, we've got a few more recommendations again for folks who want to explore today's question, how can we re-engage students with note-taking skills? But first, we've got a little bit of news. Do you want to tell folks about um, a nice opportunity that's coming up? Yeah. So uh, real quick, the NCCE conference here in the state of Washington is coming up on March 21st through 23rd. So we're only about a month away from that. Uh, just to let you know, the early bird registration ends February 24th. Uh, so you're going to want to get your registration in soon to save a little bit of money. And we want to thank them. Uh, they have given us a code that you can save another $50 off that regis- registration. If you use shifting schools, 50, all one word, shifting schools, 50, lowercase number 50 at the end, five, zero, not spelled out, but the actual number shifting schools, 50, you can save 50 bucks. Uh, and even after the early bird special runs out, you can still save $50 on the regular price as well. But again, early bird special ends uh, February 24th. Again, the conference is March 21st through the 23rd. I am now doing six sessions there. I was only doing four, wow. but uh, NCCE came back and said, hey, this new thing called ChatGPT just came out. And we realized that all the presenters had to put in their presentations back in August before anybody knew what ChatGPT is, would you be able to do a couple sessions? So I'm doing two sessions around ChatGPT. I'm doing a session around, uh, I don't even know right now off the top of my head, but one on equity and technology, one on changing nature or professional development in a world where we have sub shortages. And what does that mean for instructional coaches? Uh, and also we have, you know, one of their featured speakers this year is Jennifer Lagarde, AKA library girl, who you can go back and listen on episode 228. Uh, to get kind of a feel for her take, uh, just an incredible educator doing incredible stuff. Uh, so that's episode 228, Jennifer Lagarde. She will be there. She's a featured speaker this year, so which probably means she's doing six, eight, ten sessions. I don't know. Uh, she'll be all over the all over the uh, the conference as well. So that's NCCE. You can go to ncce.org. Uh, join us here in Tacoma, Washington, March 21st through 23rd for our big regional tech conference. Tricia, you have an announcement as well that has to deal with more of Shifting School stuff. It does. So listeners, if you're hearing Jeff say that, you know, he's going to be at NCCE talking all things chat GPT, and you're thinking, that's really far from where I live. The good news is, of course, we have two different pathways to learn all about generative AI tools like chat GPT. We have a five-day challenge that you can take on with peers, with colleagues, with a friend. We also have our equity and AI course. And we're so, so thankful to you for being a listener of this show that we also have a special discount code if you want those offerings, or actually, if you'd like to take $25 off of anything that you can find um, on offer from Shifting Schools, the code is all caps, SSPOD25. It's also going to be over there in the show notes. So if you're driving, don't worry. You can check that out later on. Thank you for listening. We know that there is no shortage of podcasts out there. So when you make time to listen to us, we're really, really grateful that you've made the time. Yes. Thank you so much. That's SSPOD25. Again, uh, if you look closely, there's probably some free things you can get over there with 25 bucks off. Uh, I know sometimes we run sales on things that are $25. So um, appreciate you listening and hopefully you can use that code uh, to expand your um, courses that you can download, take, use with your teaching staff or with your students over there as well. All right. Let's talk about your Mighty Might Jamboard Guide, Trisha. 
So speaking of free things, one of our more popular free guides is our collection of six different Jamboard templates. You know, on this theme of collaborative note-taking, technology is making this easier and easier. Jamboard is also a great way to do collaborative note-taking. And I wanted to highlight one of the templates inside that free guide. Again, the link will be over there for you in the show notes is our Mighty Mites Quadrant, where it's basically four different might questions. So how might we learn more about this? And it frames the act of note-taking as collaborative question generating. So this might be note-taking throughout a lesson, we're watching a video, we're reading an article, and how are we focusing in our our notes on what are the questions we now need to ask? So I think those quadrants are really good at looking at note-taking from that inquiry standpoint and saying, what do we need to ask next? What do we need to ask right now? Um, you know, What are some of the questions actually that it might not necessarily be possible to have a complete answer for? Um, again, great conversations that I think get sparked by that. So our free collection of Jamboard templates, the link will be there as will be the link to our protocols collection, because I think a lot of our shifting schools protocols also work really well as a framework for note-taking. The one that I think folks have reached out to us the most about is our root bark branch model. So Jeff, I don't know if you want to talk about that protocol or just the idea of taking a protocol and using that for notes. Yeah, I think it's a really great idea. I mean, we've got so many. You just wrote a whole new one for 2023. You can download a whole bunch of brand new protocols for 2023. And if you missed 2022 and 2021, they're over there in the free guides as well. Uh, that's shiftingschools.com. You can click on free school or free guides at the top. But I love this one, root, bark, or branch. And here are the questions, right? So think about this in a note-taking sense. So kids are taking notes and we want kids to reflect on that. And what we need is structure. We need structures and frameworks. So here are the three questions under the root at the root of this resource is a question that asks me to consider what, as you reflect on your notes, what's the overarching question that you have that is coming out of your notes? Or what is the overarching question that your notes answer? What's the key point that we were trying to get through reading this article, watching this video, whatever it was I was taking notes on, right? The bark is the strongest idea I'm left holding on to is as you reflect on your notes. What is the strongest idea you were left with? Or let's go back and pair this with social silent reading or collaborative note-taking and then have kids go back and say, okay, as you go back and look at those notes, what's the strongest idea that your group ended up with? Let's have a conversation about that. Like write, jot it down for yourself and then have a conversation around that. Or the last one is the branch, right? The ideas, the ideas branch out and connect with an experience I had when... I love this. This is bringing in the personal touch. And if there's anything we know about Gen Z and Gen Alpha, it's about getting personal. How did what we just studied connect to me outside of class? Anytime that we can ask students questions to say, here's what we just read. Here's our reflection. Where do you see that in your own life? That is power. That's power to a generation that is very much, what what does this deal with me? Not that it's a generational thing. It's also a preteen teen thing. We just know this from Human Development 101. It's all about me. So how do I take what we're studying and apply it to my own experience? Where do I see this in my life or where do I not see this in my life? 
and get a little deeper. And that leads into all kinds of social emotional learning stuff as well. So also um, good for, for adult learners. You know, I find even yeah. using that with a PLC, it's so important that we continue to learn about our colleagues. Right. And I find using that protocol, you're actually going to get some stories from folks, right. And learn a little bit more about folks that we are working with that. I, I do think that often builds trust in teams and is so important. Um, Jeff, I'm, I've been so excited to talk to you about one of my favorite resources. Uh, this is really great for high school EL ELA. I don't know if you've ever gone over to genius.com, but this, not. Is, this, this is the is, first time I'm hearing about all it. All right. I'm so excited to be the first person to tell you about it then. Um, essentially, what it is, is you can head over there, any song you can think of, type it in, and it's going to give you an annotated version of that. And this is all crowdsourced, right? Yeah. Um, so you can go in, you can add what you think needs to be mentioned in reference to that lyric. Folks will be linking in other resources. Again, I think this is is great for high school students. And listeners, I'm going to put in the show notes a link. I loved the Shania Twain documentary on Netflix, Jeff. I don't know if you know. I haven't this. watched it yet. I want okay. to go watch it. I, that's your weekend homework. I okay. great story, really powerful story. Uh, I I'm like rooting for her big time now after watching that documentary. So I'm gonna link to her song that don't impress me much. Um, and it's really interesting. It's a great example to show to students that even with a song where you're like, is this song really that deep? It's not that deep, but I yeah. think giving them almost a mentor text for how folks mm. will unpack even lyrics that are not particularly like, again, super duper deep or really, uh, you know, flower flowery language to look at how can we dig into this? Again, it's a really great resource. You can also invite students. What if as a class, we decide to make our suggestions to genius.com? They don't all get approved, but you can go about and uh, and try that out as well. I love that. I'm going to go play with that. And I will uh, do my homework this weekend there. Uh, Trisha, thank you for that. Uh, I've been meaning to watch it, just haven't made time. So, uh, But so cool. What I mean, there's so many great ways to to influence the way that we do these things. Uh, Genius.com, there'll be a link to that uh, in the show notes as well for anybody that wants to go and play with that, uh, for sure. I think one of the other things you can do, another just tip or trick to re-engage students in note-taking, is have students do a video tour or even a moat tour of uh, their notes or your notes. You know, maybe you have students that go in, you could do it quickly, use Screencastify, have kids go through their notes, kind of talking about an overview of them. Uh, the idea that you can install Moat, which you can actually get a free upgrade over on shiftingschools.com slash offers or click offers under the podcast link. Uh, Moat has been a sponsor uh, of shifting schools for quite a while now. And both Trisha and I use Moat all the time. Uh, it's a way to just leave audio recordings. So being able to, to maybe share notes with somebody else and then have somebody leave you audio feedback on your notes or have a student take notes. I'm thinking of a lot of schools use Avid, uh, which, which has a lot of note-taking frameworks in it. Maybe you have a student take you on a video tour of their notes uh, as a reflective piece that they turn into uh, the, the teacher or they, you know, share with an, with another student. So just another great way. Can your students take a video tour or a moat, which is an audio tour uh, of your notes as well? Moat works inside of all things Google. Uh, so you can go over there. That's a, um, so you can, again, over on our offers page, you can find a link to get you a free upgrade for that as well. But I think you get 90 seconds free uh, with the free one. So 
Uh, it's a great little tool. Feel free to, to think about that. How do you give your kids time to take a video tour? You can use something like Flipgrid uh, within Microsoft uh, is another great way to do that with, uh, with video. So just something to think about. Yeah, the reason I would advocate for doing that too is, you know, just like I mentioned how genius.com can be like a mentor text. So you can invite students to look at this, see why this is useful note taking or not. If you're inviting students to create that video or that audio product, if you've got, you know, a student who's doing something really creative or really, you know, it's it's something that as a teacher, again, we don't have to have all the answers. The students bring yeah. the answers too. That's a tool, that's a resource that you can share with other classes. So yeah, for me, if you're going to invite students to, you know, stop, record, explain what they're doing as note takers, I would highly recommend do this with a few other teachers and then have a discussion. What are the three videos or the three audio samples that we want to share out maybe with parents and caretakers too? Again, ask the student for permission to do that by all means. But how can we be creating an archive or a bank where it's sort of like, this is a different strategy because I think, Ooh, I love that. you know, if you walk away from this episode with one thing, for me, getting students to re-engage with note-taking means understanding, do not have one recipe and ask every single student to do it the exact same way. Hmm. I really think you're going to lose a lot of students. You know, I, I've seen sometimes teachers are like, it's the Cornell note-taking method. Everybody's right. going to do that. Why? We don't all think the same way. And I think don't ask folks to document their thinking in the same way. That's, that's, I really think you're going to lose some of your students and one size fits all. I just think we, we lose everyone with that. Um, so again, ask students to show you, tell you what they're doing and then share that out. Um, the last one, and we'll be sure to include the video link in the show notes. I ran through a model of how you would ask chat GPT, give me a note taking template for and you can ask it for a variety of things. Give me a yeah. note-taking template for a field trip, for a guest speaker, for a specific book. See what it what it puts out. And then in small teams, ask students, how do we make this template better? I so we've got a video that walks through that. I think that's a really great activity as well. So many great ways. Uh, and hopefully, you know, through this, we got to help you answer that question. How can I re-engage students with note-taking skills? Depending on the grade level that you use, some of these will work better than others. I've done sol social silent reading as low as third grade. I've done collaborative note taking as low as third grade, um, being a fourth grade teacher. I mean, you can adapt these up and down the grade level uh, and scaffold it different ways. So uh, our hope is, is that, you know, going through these, do you find some ways to just think about how this might work for you? Again, you know, let's just run through them real quick. First and foremost, we have to demystify the process of note-taking. It's, you know, all too often we get kids into their own little bubble of note-taking and they don't get to see uh, what's actually, what other kids look like. So how do we de demystify that? We talked about collaborative note-taking on a Google Doc or in Word. We talked about the last word protocol. Um, so save the last word protocol that Trisha talked about will be a link for that. Social silent reading, uh, where you're reading a document together and off to the side. And then we've got our free uh, Jamboard free guide that is a Mighty Mites. We have all kinds of structures with our protocols. We talked about the root, bark, and branch. We talked about annotation mentor text with genius.com, which I need to go check out. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the idea of a video tour or audio tour of your notes. And the last one, ask ChatGPT to create a template around 
the book that you're reading and then having kids update it. So those are uh, just, uh, again, a rundown of the ideas of how you might re-engage students in some way different than taking notes um, than maybe that you've done in the past. And I think, again, once you've explored like that repertoire of different ways, then what you can do with students is before, again, the note-taking starts, let's have a really quick conversation. Which strategy do we want to employ, right? I think it's about making sure they've got a variety of tools. Um, Of course, listeners, we know that you have strategies too. Jeff, we'd love to hear from listeners. When you head over to shiftingschools.com, there is a speak pipe button. Please consider sending a voice memo. Um, We'll reach out to you to find out, you know, can we include it in an upcoming show? But we'd love to hear from listeners What's a strategy that's working for your students as well? Yeah. And that's it. You know, I mean, if you have a strategy that's working for your students, it'll probably work for other teachers too. So please do share, share and share alike. That's what we're here for. That's why we release this content for free. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And again, be looking in future newsletters so that you get to vote for what some things, uh, some ideas that we can cover on upcoming off the cuff episodes. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter. Again, you can do that over at shiftingschools.com. And if you are subscribed to our newsletter, make sure you open it up and you are able to vote. And I'll tell you, it doesn't take long. It's like hit the reply button and all you have to do is say one, two, or three. Uh, That's usually all you have to do. And that's what people did. So we appreciate that. So thank you again, everyone, for this uh, great episode. Thank you for those of you who voted and made How Can We Reengage Students with Note-Taking Skills our number one choice for this off the cuff. Until next time. We'll see you on the network.